This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The co-hosts of Talking Fast would like to happily announce the wedding of two of their favorite Stars Hollow residents, Suki St. James and Jackson Belleville. The private ceremony and reception occurred on May 19th, 2002 at the Independence Inn in Stars Hollow. On this joyous occasion, they were surrounded by friends and family. Miss Patty, Babette, Moray, and Kirk brought the festive spirit by singing and drinking plenty of cocktails. Jackson's best man, his father, also contributed by supplying the familial kilt for the special occasion. Unfortunately, the wedding videographer neglected to capture any footage of the event past cocktail hour and the bridesmaids' entrances. So, you know, if you hope to see Suki walk down the aisle in her gorgeous dress, to hear the exchange of vows or toasts at the reception, to watch the first dance, well, we're tough out of luck there. Damn wedding videographer. Anyways, on Suki and Jackson's behalf, we thank you for the kind and loving thoughts sent their way. Here's so many more years of happy marriage for the happy couple. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are thrilled to recap the season finale of Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 22, I Can't Get Started. The Netflix bio for this episode is, On the day of the wedding, Lorelai enjoys a romantic evening. Meanwhile, Rory is thrilled when a familiar face returns to Stars Hollow. It's a juicy episode. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe that... Like, a little bit over a year ago, we decided to do this, and now we're finishing season two. It's exciting. It's truly been mm-hmm. a blast, and I am just really looking forward to talking about this finale. I feel like it addresses so much of what we've been talking about for, like, <laughs> yeah. five episodes now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were your general thoughts about the finale? I I loved it. It's not quite a culmination of things necessarily as like uh as the title says it it's like just almost getting there with all of these character arcs and it just leaving everybody like frustrated just like Lorelai and Rory are um but it does definitely bring us to a little bit closer I think I don't know it leaves it leaves us excited or it leaves me excited for season three it does bring things very nearly to the close and then leaves things just unresolved enough to create like suspense and tension for what is to come in the next season. So I think it was a well-written finale and it's one I like distinctly remember as well. Like I knew this was coming and it was still like intensely dramatic to watch. So it gets an A in my book, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. The writing is very tight. Sorry, my cat is walking up and down the hall yowling like the world is ending. (laughs) Sorry to all our (laughs) listeners. Yeah, Yeah. your cat's probably like, why couldn't Jess and Rory just get together? (laughs) Yowling. (laughs) So before we get into our normal talking fast and recap, a little note about what's coming next since we're done with the season. So we'll do our normal season recap um, next week where we kind of go over our thoughts for the whole season 
do a little bit of, you know, uh, alternate universe imagination, imaginings. <laughs> I've also mm-hmm. really been working on um, which supernatural creatures the rest of the townsfolk are. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, we got to come back to that incredibly important <laughs> yeah theory. <laughs> And after our season recap episode, we're going to have about a month-long series of interviews. This is our exciting in-between season content that we've been secretly recording for many weeks now with exciting guests. Uh, We'll leave those anonymous for now, but you'll probably know almost all of them if you're in the Gilmore Girls fandom. And we've had a lot of fun doing them, and we're going to I think have a lot of fun sharing them with all of you as well. And after that, we'll be starting season three in January. So we're taking a little bit of time off, but it's not just going to be the beginning of a season. We're also going to have a new look. So keep an eye out for Mm -hmm. that. Um, We'll reveal it on Instagram and TikTok somehow. (laughs) But if Mm -hmm. you don't (laughs) follow us on either of those Be forewarned, in January, our icon will have changed. (laughs) Be prepared to give us a Lorelai's Closet nomination because we're going to be looking fantastic. (laughs) And by us, I mean like our podcast branding content. I don't know what I'll be wearing on that day. Probably (laughs) in the middle of January, a sweatshirt and pajama pants for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Socks and slippers. My heating is not the best. (laughs) So. Uh, Yeah. So I'm like. Just I'm anxious with glee to share all of, you know, the interviews and the logo and stuff like that. So let's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So should we get into the finale? Do our talking fast and Mm -hmm. see what we can, how we can actually pare down this ridiculous, juicy episode. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like everyone knows that season finales are a huge deal So it's a tall order to condense that into 30 Mm -hmm. seconds, but that is our mission on this (laughs) podcast in this segment. So we got to do what we got to do. (laughs) Can't break tradition now. That would just be, that would be Mm -hmm. weird. Okay. Are you ready to go first? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready, set, go. Sookie's wedding has finally arrived. There's a rehearsal dinner. Uh, Christopher is suddenly involved in all of these events. He goes to the rehearsal and the wedding. Uh, meanwhile, Jess moves back to town and then he goes to the wedding and surprises Rory. There's a kiss. And then Lorelai and Chris have also been hooking up, but then their relationship is put on hold, maybe forever because Sherry is pregnant. Gasp. Um, Emily and Richard were invited via pity invites. Uh, <laughs> That was hard. I was all over the place. I know. It's like so, There, it's just so much that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, your turn. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Three, two, one, go. So it's Sookie and Jackson's wedding. Uh, there's all sorts of preparations going on. Lorelai invites Emily and Richard, and they're a little bit snarky about it. She also attempts to apologize to Luke, but it doesn't go well. Uh, and there's a class president election going on for Rory at the wedding. Um, things have been going weird all week, and Lorelai has been hooking up with Christopher, 
and oh my god and rory kisses jess and then everything falls apart and the wedding ends uh. <laughs> wow i focused uh. way too much on the beginning and i feel like you focused more on the end so together we created a full episode <laughs> that's right and you mentioned like the subplot line about the student election which i totally forgot mm-hmm. about so i think we did cover it in the end <laughs> Well, should we slow down and look at the episode in detail? I definitely think we should. So we start off, we open up at the inn, and it kind of looks like mayhem in there with all sorts of wedding preparations, and we're listening to, I meant to look up what song this was, but I completely forgot. I've got you covered. Oh, nice. (laughs) What was it? (laughs) Uh, This was my Rory's bookshelf. And you'll probably think this was obvious once I tell you the title. The title is I Can't Get Started, which is also (laughs) the title of the episode. (laughs) Wow, how fitting. Mm -hmm. Which came first? (laughs) Probably the Gilmore Girls title. (laughs) So if you know Ella Fitzgerald, she's kind of like a crooner kind of tends to her songs are, I don't know, a bit melancholy. This song Mm -hmm. definitely is melancholy. And Lorelai, Rory, and Michelle are all sitting around the table looking bored out of their minds. And Suki is like living it with this song. She loves it. And she wants this to be the song. She she walks, I think she walks down to the aisle, down Mm -hmm. the aisle too. (laughs) It's a bit uh, sad for that occasion. (laughs) Right. Rory offers that her and Lane could look through some alternative songs that are melodic but less girl interrupted (laughs) and the whole the running bit is that Suki she even has a whole collection of other CDs with options but they're all like really morose (laughs) angsty songs and I like the bit that that's her style of music because she's so sunny and cheerful otherwise Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I selected this song as my Rory's bookshelf because of You know, it's the illusion in the title. It's the song that plays at the start and the end of the episode. But I also liked the foreshadowing that it it does for both the Lorelai and Rory plotline. Because Lorelai complains to Suki how this is not an appropriate song to walk down the aisle to. She's like, this is depressing. It's morbid. It's about a woman who can't make a relationship work. Um, and like a life full of emptiness, regret, and pain. And (laughs) (laughs) like both Lorelai and Rory um, in different ways have relationship problems. And I thought it was very fitting. I thought it was like a well-placed song. I liked the foreshadowing. I liked the bookend at the start and the finish. And it, it just all felt like it was tied in very seamlessly throughout the episode. Yeah, I missed all of that, so (laughs) thanks for bringing that to our attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad Suki eventually probably picks a different song, but... I questioned if she did, though, because at the end of the episode, I couldn't tell if when the song plays again, if that's more so like a soundtrack of the show, or if it was the literal song playing at that point when people are walking down the aisle. So I was like, Mm -hmm. maybe Suki got her way in the end, and... Uh, convince them because she said it gets snappier the second time you listen <laughs> which I'm not sure yeah. is true, but I respect her her choice it's her wedding right you walk to what yeah, you want to walk true. to <laughs> that's very true um we also find out that uh 
Lorelai and Rory are the bridesmaids, so Michelle is going to be in charge of running the wedding and everything. And then Suki kind of pulls a fast one and suggests that she invite Emily and Richard. Lorelai's a bit hesitant, but she does agree to to invite them, which I think is good. If she hesitated anymore, I was going to be angry at her for being like, this isn't about you, Lorelai. This is <laughs> Suki's wedding. But no, she's good about it. She says she'll give it a shot. And the next scene is a Friday night dinner where Lorelai does extend the invite to Emily. But before that, it is worth mentioning the chit chat before dinner features Mm -hmm. an iconic line that I think every Gilmore Girl fan knows, uh, which is oi with the poodles already, which I love. (laughs) I wish... I think they do bring this up in later episodes, like they say it kind of offhand, but Mm. I wish they did more. (laughs) But I also, I loved Lorelai's kind of contemplation of weird sounding words, because Mm -hmm. I do that a lot. One of my favorite words is flabbergasted, and if you say that word, it's just like a whole bunch of weird sounds. It's very pleasant to say. (laughs) Yeah, that flabbergasted is a good word. (laughs) After this, Lorelai invites Emily to the wedding, and... In my notes, I said Emily trolls Lorelai because she is just like she she's just kind of playing playing with Lorelai here by saying that um, because it's a week from the wedding, it's obvious that somebody must have canceled. So they're a a pity invite. And she just Mm -hmm. like kind of carries this on. And Richard comes out and carries on the exact same conversation. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Her life is so controlled by social like niceties and whatnot so she is like offended by this less than a week away invite and you're right like her whole rant about it is pretty funny like does she want me to bring the ice too or to help with parking yeah Yeah. I love that they bring it up later also just as a running joke for the episode (laughs) right right but we don't really get much more with them we don't get like a sit down dinner there's no real tension between Lorelai, Emily, and Richard this episode. <laughs> that is saved for yeah, <laughs> Lorelai and Luke in this next scene. And of course, there's tension elsewhere in the episode. But this scene is, I would believe, probably a couple days later because Rory is dressed for school and her and Dean are at Luke's. They've been there for about 20 minutes. They have pancakes and eggs. They swap their dishes because Rory would rather have Dean's pancakes. Um, And meanwhile, Lorelai is like pacing back and forth outside. She's apparently been doing that for 20 to 30 minutes. (laughs) And she finally works up the courage to go into Luke's but Rory and Dean leave immediately after that because they have school. You know, they she wait she waited too long and she's left alone finally now to like confront Luke, which is what we've We've really been like waiting for this scene and waiting to see how it would go for a while, I think. So what were your thoughts on this encounter between Lorelai and Luke? (laughs) This was actually my Friday night dinner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have been waiting for it for so long. And it sounds like Lorelai has sent him a letter apologizing. Right, which we didn't know. Yeah. And like, when did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, and what was in it was an an apology like when Rory wrote that letter to Dean after the accident, (laughs) or was it something different? But the way she approaches this is just like, 
she starts off by trying to have their normal chit chat and like break the ice and stuff and then she starts off by saying so this is how it's going to be now which is just such a passive aggressive thing to say and then she complains that Luke is freezing her out and he says that he's like he's being polite like what else does she want from him basically mm-hmm. um and i i agree with Luke i think Lorelai can apologize all she wants we don't i wouldn't really call this a real apology <laughs> she kind of finally says i'm sorry Luke i was in a bad place that night like but it doesn't feel like an apology to me but she can do that all she wants and it, Luke doesn't have to accept it mm-hmm. and even more he doesn't have to accept it and then go back to normal which is what Lorelai wants she just wants everything to go back exactly how it was she wants Luke back his response is well he's standing right here <laughs> so yeah I just thought I'm just so frustrated with her for not like it seems so clear that she hasn't really tried to see it from his perspective yet she's apologizing for the like the I think the way she said things like being angry and stuff like that but she hasn't apologized for really like what she said or the intent behind it which was to be completely terrible to his family member who he's taking care of <laughs> mm-hmm. and also question she questioned like his own kind of good-heartedness and intent and everything with Jess so I'm frustrated that this was the apology we got and we were she expected it to be okay <laughs> What did you think about it? Well, I think it was really interesting that we learned she wrote him a note and she says she like apologized like a hundred times in that and he corrects her and says you apologize like four times in it. You're, you know, embellishing for dramatic effect. But I'm I'm really curious to know what she wrote in that. You know, was it more heartfelt and sincere? Did it contain what we're looking for from her? We can't really know. We don't really have access to that. But I I agree that this apology was certainly lacking. But, you know, I will say, though, I was thinking about this. And I think from a story writing perspective, I actually I'm now feeling like I I identify this as consistent characterization of Lorelai. Mm -hmm. And I actually like the way that they don't allow an easy resolution or, you know, they don't have Luke accept the apology and return to normal. Like, I think it seems like at this point in her characterization, Lorelai is someone who has a rough time opening up to her mistakes and like owning up to them. And I like that Luke isn't like just letting her off the hook for that and that we have to like wait till season three to see if this relationship Mm -hmm. can move forward or not and I sort of like that it's unresolved in that way because it like that unresolved nature of it allows us to still sit with like the Lorelai who is still needing to have progress like in the way that Mm -hmm. she you know like interacts with people and needs to like and what she owes them and like taking uh, responsibility for her actions and stuff I think this conversation will hopefully make her realize like this isn't gonna cut it so I I I think I found the scene satisfying actually like I'd been waiting for it and I found it satisfying not necessarily for good reasons like Lorelai's not at her best here but like I think that's the goal of this storyline and the show at showing that yeah, that's such a good point. 
I, I feel like at this point, like sometimes in season one, we mentioned that their characterization was still developing. And I really feel like at this point, they've gotten it down. And yeah, you're right. They they definitely knew how to write Lorelai consistently. <laughs> I'm curious to see where we are when we pick back up on season three. Like, Mm-hmm. Do they address it again? Are they still kind of tiptoeing around each other, or are they just gonna go back to normal? I don't. I don't yeah. really remember. So I don't remember we'll either. <laughs> and if they do the thing where, like, I complained, my critique recently was that Lorelai and Rory were best buds again after their intense fight, and there is no word about that at all. If that's what they do narratively for season three again, I think that would be a shortcoming. Like, you can't just, like, build up to these conflicts and then have them explode and then just leave them hanging or, like, resolve them off screen or something like that. Like, we want more as the viewers. So, I agree. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to see seeing how they handle it next season. I have, like, a tiny inkling, but I can't remember if it was after, if the scenes I'm remembering are after this fight or another fight a few seasons from now. <laughs> so, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we will find out. <laughs> So after this, we catch up at Chilton, where we haven't really spent much time recently. But you did say that this was foreshadowed last episode. You picked mm-hmm. up on the student council uh, tiny line. So, you know, they, they <laughs> paved the road for us slightly with a, a single stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really building it out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like the business school graduation. <laughs> like a single yeah. mention one episode before counts as like building up to something, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but Paris is giving a pretty rousing speech. Um, I wish I knew more presidential speeches because I'm sure that at least a- many lines of this were very closely lifted from some presidential speeches. I had some trouble figuring out my Jess Sass attack for this week, but I do give it to her in this speech when she ends, let me start tomorrow for you today. (laughs) And it's just like the most confusing way to end a speech. Nobody claps. Mm -hmm. Clearly nobody's been listening to her. And it's just such a, all these different prepositions and stuff. It's just like very confusing and very Paris. She, I'm sure, thought about this line many times. Either that or it's from some famous speech that I don't know, but I loved her speech. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Before that, she'd also recycled the JFK line and she phrases it as, what can you do for your school? Mm -hmm. Vote for Paris. (laughs) I thought that was a slightly better retooling of a phrase (laughs) than Mm -hmm. her concluding line. I was also trying to figure out what her platform is mm-hmm. it seemed like she had incongruous is that a word incongruous um, yeah like conflicting things she was running on uh because she mentions like later on a mandatory recycling program which is like a a plus in my book but she also mentions this feels very um like 22 years ago clearly well maybe it's sadly relevant today The did you hear she mentions clearly marked boys and girls bathrooms Oh, I didn't I didn't hear that. No. Yeah, that one was a that was a yikes for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I have to bring out my world traveler hat at this because when I was living in Denmark, all of the restrooms, they're like a normal room like we have now with sinks lined up on the wall and a mirror and stuff, but then they have stalls that are completely enclosed without, you know, a foot and a half at the bottom and top and gaps in the door. <laughs> 
Makes sense. <laughs> and within that room, there's also, it, within this stall, there's also a little sink, like for washing your hands or whatever else you need to do. And those are, there's no gender designation mm-hmm. for any of those. It's just a public toilet. Mm-hmm. I really, the U.S. is so behind, <laughs> so ridiculously behind on these things. I know. It doesn't, I don't feel like it takes a genius to just be like, hey, look, Denmark's already doing it. Like, why is yeah. this a big deal? <laughs> Denmark and like so many other countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of course. politics, this scene did give me a big um, Hillary Clinton vibe. Mm-hmm. And I believe you've brought this up before on the podcast about Paris and the way we talk about her as intense and whether or not, you know, the question of likability and this comes mm-hmm. up when Madeline and Louise have done a poll of the student body, as they would, of course. <laughs> and they're saying that everyone voted that Paris, like by a mile, is the most qualified and competent, but they um, find her scary when it came to <laughs> likability. And this affects the vote, um, which felt very, you know, Hillary Clinton to me. And Mm -hmm. this is what gives Paris the idea to approach Rory and ask her to be her vice president, Geller and Gilmore. They have the G thing going, (laughs) she says. Never underrate the power of alliteration, which I resoundedly agree with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. It's Mm -hmm. a poetic device in Old English poetry for a reason. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) I also, within... Paris's kind of bid for Rory to be her VP. She talks about how everybody loves Rory um, and like she's like a Disney princess. Animals help her get dressed in the morning. And (laughs) so this was my Rory's bookshelf. I couldn't think of many in this episode and Mm -hmm. I completely forgot about the girl interrupted uh, (laughs) mention at the beginning because otherwise that probably would have been it. But I just... I wanted to know all of the Disney references and how Rory very much is a kind of Disney princess. <laughs> she's got, mm-hmm. she's kind of a perfect go- golden girl, no flaws really. And her response to this is, <laughs> I haven't been dressed by a bird since I was two, which I thought was hilarious. That was <laughs> that almost my hilarious. dress ass attack. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I thought that this was an interesting kind of illusion by Paris to Rory's characteristics. Plus, I just like Disney movies, so that was mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and perhaps, like, a bit... I don't know if I want to go too deep here, but we've talked a bit about... Um, like, I, we've talked a lot, actually, about Rory's aversion to change and, like, why does she do things? Why does she stay with Dean? Or, uh, like, why doesn't she do what she wants to do? It often feels like she's doing what she feels like she has to do. And... Like, does she feel like she has to perform to this, like, nice, quiet, as Paris describes her, like, Disney princess girl? And, like, what does that entail? Being together with your sweetheart forever, things like that um, could be part of this, like, the pressure of the role. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, Paris ends the scene by saying, once Rory has agreed um, to be her vice president, only because the thing that really convinces her is the Harvard line. Of course, you know, Paris is like, Harvard will like it. And so that's what gets Rory to agree. And as they walk out, Paris says, wear some braids with bows tomorrow. Let's sell it, sister, which (laughs) I thought was a hilarious line as well. (laughs) Yeah, I am loving their budding friendship at this point. Mm -hmm. They've moved 
pretty far beyond the antagonistic relationship they had earlier, I think. Yeah. I think they are, like, forming a nice dynamic duo here. And something we talked about a while ago when it came to, like, the Franklin and Paris as an editor and, like, Rory's qualities is actually we're like, you know, Rory might really be the better editor. She's, like, a people person. And that's not to say Paris isn't, like, I don't know. Just I just think, like, them as, like, a president and a vice president is a good idea because they both bring mm-hmm. very different things to a leadership role. And I do think they would work well and complement each other well. So it's like they're on to something, even if Paris was inspired to ask her only to win. But at the <laughs> end of the day, I think there's more to it than that. And it will actually help them be successful. Yeah, I think Rory's one of the few people that Paris respects and listens to. And that definitely plays out in later seasons. But this is kind of the beginning of that so yeah I agree they'd be a good class president to be honest I don't remember a single thing that my class presidents did or who they were so I don't know yeah the stakes are low but yeah the stakes are high (laughs) for their friendship yeah (laughs) the next scene is a short scene at the doctor's office where Rory is getting her cast off I don't think there's much to say about this other than Mm -hmm. Chris shows up And this is the continuation of the, hey, Chris is really around, you know, plotline that we've had for a few episodes now. Also, just the over-dramatization of having a wrist hairline fracture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guess this is also the scene where Lorelai invites Chris to Suki's rehearsal dinner, uh, which is like in a few days on Thursday. And he's like, sure. Strangely. We have some questions about this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I feel like we can pick them up more in the next scene, which just like Mm -hmm. cuts straight to Sookie's rehearsal dinner. It's like, hey, do you want to come? And then, hey, here it is. The event's here. (laughs) (laughs) This scene has a few of my nominations. The first Mm -hmm. one is my Stars Hollow nomination for the toasts that are happening. Uh, (laughs) Kirk rings his glass to give a toast and... (laughs) He's just complaining about being parked in, and he says it in such a, like, (laughs) serious toast kind of tone, and I just loved it. And everybody's there. It looks like such a cozy, like, friendly rehearsal dinner. I I haven't really been to many rehearsal dinners, but the ones I've been to have been more formal than that. Mm -hmm. And I I like this idea better. It's just kind of like a low-key party with everybody. (laughs) The last rehearsal dinner I went to was more formal and we like practiced the wedding, right? But speaking of over-dramatization of hairline fractures, that was actually the event where my friend, the the bride, uh, like broke her arm at the rehearsal dinner the night before her wedding. So (laughs) It's got to be some sort of omen. (laughs) That was actually dramatic and traumatic for her and kind of me as a bystander. (laughs) Um, I won't I won't uh, reflect on that too much more, though, because you're right. This this rehearsal dinner is quite nice and seems like a good time. (laughs) We also find out that Jackson's dad has brought him a kilt um, for a family tradition to wear. I didn't know that Jackson Belleville was necessarily a Scottish name. But who knows? No. I like kilts, so I'm mm. I'm pro kilt. <laughs> I'm pro kilt after watching Outlander. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Some sexy <laughs> kilt-clad men. <laughs> on TikTok, there are a whole bunch of people who, like, show you how to actually put on a kilt and stuff and the different styles of kilts, and it's very involved. Mm-hmm. But he does not get my Lorelai's closet. Instead, I give it to Lorelai's outfit in this uh, rehearsal dinner. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's, like, a black dress, and then it has... um kind of cutouts along like one shoulder and one side of her chest that I have like cream underneath or something and it's kind of like a floor a flower I thought it was really cool and I haven't seen a dress like that before it reminded me of the one that she had a couple weeks ago for the launch party for Richard's business they seemed Mm -hmm. kind of similar styles and Mm -hmm. I really liked it yeah I feel like she's in a good fashion era (laughs) I've been noticing that Okay. The other major storyline at the rehearsal dinner is the continued flirting, flirting of Lorelai and Chris. He says, I need some air. Grab the bottle. And Lorelai says, bossy. I like it. (laughs) Not in that tone. She has a flirtier tone. Uh, And then they go and sit out on the steps. He gives her his jacket and she invites him to the wedding on Sunday. And he says, okay, immediately, like without any hesitation and this causes Lorelai to kind of question that she's like don't you have to check in with Sherry and he pauses and says she's out of town uh, but things aren't going too well for us apparently they've had a talk and tried to come up with some answers and they are now taking apart taking time apart uh, taking a (laughs) taking time apart to think (laughs) and he says he's thinking about finding an apartment um, and that it's nobody's fault. It just isn't dot, 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 it. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel about this explanation that is entirely in Christopher, Christopher's POV, <laughs> I feel like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty lacking, I would say. And it seems like he's more, he's not necessarily explaining his relationship with Sherry so much as justifying what he wants to do with Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And so it it feels like he's just kind of jumping from Sherry to Lorelai, which is so unfair for both of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, for Rory as well. I did not like Christopher in this episode mm. at all. Yeah, I had the same sense. I felt like he was really laying the groundwork for the like romantic possibility with Lorelai later on. And it, I really feel like he's... He had been doing this a bit more earlier on, too. Like, the one Mm -hmm. episode recently where I tried to, like, flag every time. He just avoided mentioning Sherry at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, like, he's really just undermining their relationship and what I feel like the reality is, which is probably, like, her wanting him to commit further. (laughs) Like, Like, the last time we saw them, they seemed quite serious, and Sherry was like, she had a whole game plan, you know, for Mm -hmm. their relationship. And I'm thinking that behind the scenes, Chris, for whatever reason, like, we can't know if, like, he truly just wasn't into Sherry or if he was distracted by the Lorelai of it all. Like, for whatever reason, um, they are now, like, taking time apart to think, which I... If I know anything from watching TV, when a couple says they're taking time apart to think, that usually means one of them is about to go sleep with someone else, Mm -hmm. and then the other person's about to be like, how could you cheat on me? And that person's like, we were on a break. (laughs) It's like, I 
really I really wonder if he's interpreting the current status of the relationship in the same way that Sherry would be if we asked her, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, kind of that's... some gray area that he's taking advantage of. Uh, we'll see how that will go for like Logan and Rory later on. It doesn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of astounding how like closely things repeat for them later on. Yeah, Lorelai seems happy or at least she it seems like she's looking forward to something like she's got some anticipation there she of course never liked sherry and only discovered that she was holding out for chris as soon as sherry came on the scene so and like unlike luke chris recently accepted lorelei's apology Mm -hmm. so i feel like she must be feeling really good about like oh this person has forgiven me this person there's like possibility with this person and yeah like you said it's like the like her and Chris she kind of thought about getting with him when she learned about Sherry so maybe now she's like maybe this is my time I think she's really accepting his explanation without poking holes in it too much because it is um like convenient for them love is in the air (laughs) (laughs) Love is in there, yeah. Pheromones are, at least. (laughs) Yeah, gosh. So she's, you know, thinking about, I don't know, I've just been watching The Haunting of Hill House, and there's, like, a wedding scene, and then they, oh, somebody opens a closet, and there's people hooking up in there, and just feel like that's the the expectation of weddings on TV. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a little horny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, the next day, we wake up at the at Lorelai's house. She's got some awesome pajamas on. I couldn't really see all of the things that was on there. There were like martini glasses and other stuff. But mm-hmm. she is kind of, she very much wants to talk about this gossip about Chris. And uh, so she keeps trying to get uh, Rory to engage with her. She is like cooing, I know something you don't know, which Mm -hmm. makes me feel very suspicious about her, I don't know, just her like feelings about all of this because that that seems so childish and so gossipy and I don't know, there's just like a difference between normal gossip and gossip about something that you think is going to benefit you and she's definitely got that tone in her voice. She just wants to Mm -hmm. get wants to get it out and wants Rory to be as excited as she is about the possibilities that could come from this. I didn't like yeah. it. <laughs> I think to your point, Rory says that Lorelai is gloating and she like mm-hmm. calls her out for smiling at the end. So I think Rory is picking up on that vibe as well. Like this is some self-interested gossip for sure. Um, and the I think the only other thing to mention about this morning scene is that Lorelai is temporarily uh, prevented from sharing the gossip by a phone call from Paris uh, where she is asking Rory for advice about a potential concession speech. It's pretty humorous because Paris is very, like, dejected and convinced she's going to lose. And she is, like, reciting um, Hubert Humphrey's concession speech, which I only know because she said that. And what I love as a teacher is that Paris says... Don't worry, I'm not going to steal this. I'm going to paraphrase and give him credit, which is perfect, perfect yeah. use of a source and the citation. I, I love it. I love that. <laughs> Kudos to Paris. She is the perfect student. 
Mm-hmm. We also find out or get a hint about if they win this election, they'll be going to Washington for the summer. Mm-hmm. And that'll definitely play a part. That will come up later. <laughs> for now, we move forward to the eve of the wedding. I believe this is like late Saturday night. Michelle and Lorelai have a good back and forth about how he wants to leave. And he says, if you need me to stay. And she says, yes. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't really want to stay. <laughs> um, so she finally, like, releases him. And she runs into Suki as well. And Suki promises to go to bed. And this will come up a bit in a couple scenes from now. Whether or not she actually um, goes to get some rest before her wedding uh then christopher is like coming down the stairs seems like he's staying there like at the inn the night before the wedding he conveniently has a room (laughs) very very convenient (laughs) um they sit down on the couch pretty cuddly right off the bat i think and lorelei starts talking about like witnessing suki and jackson's romance and i really appreciated this i thought it was cute Yeah, she says, like, I got to see it all and that it was a nice show. And it was really sweet. Like, the way that she described it, like, seeing them from start to finish, I thought was really, it was touching. Like, I almost, like, it's a little bit, um, like, underscored within the other, like, horny vibes of the scene. (laughs) (laughs) But she does say something, like, really touching, I think, about her, like, best friend's relationship Mm -hmm. with her other friend, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They're cute. (laughs) And then I wrote down that Lorelai gives Christopher, like, the definition of bedroom eyes. See, I thought he gave her bedroom eyes. Maybe it was was mutual. They both do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can say what we want, but this seems like a 100% consensual Mm -hmm. sex scene. Well, we don't see the sex part, but, like, they're both, like, very much um, contributing to this vibe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it was very, very horny and flirty. Christopher says that finally they're in the same place at the same time, which has always been their problem in the past. I would question that very deeply. Yeah, that's actually, that's a good point. I think like he is trying to invent that they are having the fine, like finally having the right time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of something I was picking up on his earlier explanation. Like it feels like a false truth, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. This is like a fantasy that everything's finally working out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Lorelai buys it. She coyly takes him upstairs. To be fair, I think Chris buys it, too. Mm, Like, I think he's been convinced by his own fantasy, um, which isn't to say he's like entirely innocent of leading Lorelai on. But I think he's kind of like through a little bit of self- um, denial like he's led himself on as well (laughs) yeah that's true he's he really is just like living in the possibility of things without I mean later on they kind of consider the practicality of it but I wouldn't say they fully do and at this point they definitely are not (laughs) are not considering the practical ramifications of their actions Mm -hmm. yeah so you know off screen I think we all we're we're adults here we know what happens (laughs) Lorelai comes down in a robe in the afterglow, you know, so she's wearing a robe. So that communicates all we need to know. (laughs) And she goes into the kitchen to get some late night snacks only to discover Suki in her wedding dress and veil and an apron 
uh, working on her wedding cake in like a nervous fit, um, which is like exactly what I would expect, really. This was my gazebo moment, like this whole scene with Suki. Um, mm-hmm. She's really stressed out. She had a dream that there was something wrong with her dress. So she woke up and ha- put her dress on. And then she's like, well, but maybe I miss I misremembered the dream and it was my veil. So she put the veil <laughs> on and then she's like, well, maybe it was the cake. Yeah. And she was worried that the cake was too girly for Jackson. Mm. And I think Lorelai does a great job of kind of calming her down and sitting her down here. And finally, Suki admits that what's really worrying her is she she doesn't want them to end up like arguing all the time and bitter in the end. She wants some sort of guarantee that this is it and that they'll last and they won't like get divorced or anything. And I I love that. I think... I imagine that that's a pretty similar mindset for a lot of people about to get married. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just loved that we're seeing Suki in this, like, emotional, romantic scene. um, And Lorelai's being a really good friend to her. I also, another reason I chose this for my gazebo moment was because we... We've already talked about how great it is to see Suki as a fat woman on TV having a romance and, like, being the romantic interest. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was also great to see her looking beautiful in her wedding dress. We almost never see bigger people (laughs) in wedding dresses on TV. And Lorelai even tells her, like, has her stop for a moment and realize that she's in her wedding dress. And Lorelai says that she's beautiful. And I I really appreciated that as some representation. And Suki always is just a joy. (sighs) Yeah, for the a lot of the reasons you've stated, I gave Suki my Lorelai's closet in this scene. Um, And I think in particular, like that, that exchange between the two of them right before she goes out, because before that, she's kind of got the apron on. So you don't get a great look at it. And then when they're talking, they're sitting um so when she's like on her way out you think like oh it's the scene's over but Lorelai says like um the the hey Suki and she turns around and Lorelai's like you're in your wedding dress and Suki says I am and Lorelai says you're beautiful uh like you said but um I like I it's hard to describe her dress but it's a style that I don't think I've I've seen as often but I really like it it's really um it's got the typical like white under like part but then she's got almost like not like an overcoat but <laughs> how would you do do you know the term for that maybe like a I don't know a robe type thing I don't know but it's got like a like a second really dainty like lace material um that's like a long sleeve and it kind of goes it has like long billowy sleeves they cover part of her hand and it's like little flowers and it um I don't know. And just like her veil is really nice. Everyone just Google a picture of it. It will do do you better than my description. But <laughs> it's just re- it's really lovely. And I totally wish we could have seen her have that like walk down the aisle mm-hmm. moment as well. But I do like that we did get this like intimate moment between Lorelai and Suki and Lorelai's like recognition of her beauty, which is like one layer removed is like us recognizing it as the viewer mm-hmm. as well yeah I do realize I forgot to mention how Lorelai calms Suki down which is by saying oh, right. <laughs> she and Christopher slept together and they have so they have like a little bit a little moment of like 
ooh, how was it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we find out Christopher's upstairs waiting for Lorelai to return to chat about yeah. the implications of what they've done. <laughs> and their final lines in the scene, Lorelai says, you go get some sleep. And Suki says, you go get some. <laughs> <laughs> which is like a really funny way to like they had just shared that like super heartfelt sentimental moment and then mm-hmm. to have it have a good laugh on the way out like I love that multi-layered friendship that they have <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah very them hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price Priceline When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So then we're back upstairs talking with Chris. I can tell you're just so pleased about it. (laughs) It's just so like they think that they're thinking it through, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. They're kind of, I don't know, the the conclusion is mostly that they'll never know how it's going to be, how it's going to work out unless they try it, which is technically true, but there's so much more to consider. Like... They they kind of give lip service to having to consider about Rory and all of that stuff, but they don't really think about it. They are clearly rushing into things. I it just seems so like they both want it to be true so badly that they're not paying attention to who they are and their mm-hmm. own history, apart from like the fact that they've never been in the same place at the same time or whatever that means. <laughs> They finally agree to try it. So I don't know. What do you think about this scene? I felt I felt the same way. I think they're in like a love bubble. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure that's a term from the show Crazy (laughs) Ex-Girlfriend, which is basically just like the you're oblivious, you're naive and in the like you just want everything to be great and you're not really facing reality and you're you're right like they lip service to reality but they're not really thinking about it too much um and by the end of the episode the bubble is gonna Mm -hmm. break pretty abruptly uh but for now they're safe within the cocoon (laughs) of the bubble i think i'm mixing metaphors there but (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, I guess we should say that's where we're kind of left off with the idea that Lorelai and Chris are going to try things out. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, it is the morning of the wedding, and we pick up with Kirk going into Luke's. He's ordering a quick sandwich so he can make it to the wedding on time. They have a bit of back and forth about which sandwich would take the longest, and he ultimately orders a peanut butter and jelly And he mentions um, 
like, hey, Luke, do you like my suit? I read weddings are a great place to meet girls. <laughs> a funny line. I'm so damn lonely. Even Animal Planet doesn't do it <laughs> Gosh, for me anymore. Gross. Which is just like, is that a masturbation <laughs> joke? Or just, I don't want to know, honestly. I take back my question. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> there definitely, I remember when I was in high school, that being a joke. And there were also a couple songs that talked about Oh, uh, because it shows animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do it like they do on the Discovery Animal Channel, I think. Discovery yeah. Channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, gross. <laughs> That's all we'll say about that. Uh, my question for you, or just uh, just a general question. I was surprised that Luke wasn't invited to Sookie's wedding. Yeah. Or like Lane as well. We don't see Lane at all, but. Lane is. Oh, was Lane there? Yeah, she was there playing the. Uh, with her drumsticks on the piano when Kirk was singing his song. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I take away a note I wrote because I didn't see that. And I said, why couldn't Lane be there playing the drums? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question why Luke wasn't there either, though. And I, because he's friends with Jackson and Sookie also. Mm-hmm. And if they're, they invited Richard and Emily, like, why would they invite them before Luke? I'm, yeah. I hope... That it, the implication isn't that they didn't invite him because he and Lorelai are in a fight. Because that would just be mm. so disappointing to let that kind of pettiness get in between. Or if that was the reason, I think you need to have it in dialogue. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a short thing, like, you need to explain that. I think this was just a convenient plot thing yeah. that he's not there, yeah. you know? That's true. <laughs> I don't think there's actually a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is convenient because after this... Luke goes upstairs and somehow Jess is standing in the middle of his apartment. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> we don't know how he got up there getting past Luke. I feel like he probably came on the chimney or something. <laughs> <laughs> Luke kind of gives him a little bit of grief rightfully, I think, saying, you know, I have called you six times. You never called me back. Uh, Luke was worried. Jess's answer is really just that well, he wants to come back. No explanation, really. Um, I, I, I thought this exchange was pretty good. Luke kind of gets a little bit cagey with him and says, you know what people thought when I decided to take you in. And he kind of recounts some of their troubles and some of the like ideas the town has about Jess and Luke. But Jess then notices that Luke hasn't done anything to pack up any of his stuff. He's still got all of his like CDs and books out and everything, which I would agree is a pretty big sign that Luke was not planning to and always had the door open for him. This is kind of exactly what I think it is. Luke says, okay, he'll let he'll let him stay, but things need to be different this time. And it seems like that's going to happen. <laughs> Jess offers to help close up at the end of the day, which we've never seen him do. He's never... <laughs> offered to do work voluntarily right so you're like maybe things will be different it seems like they've like turned over a new leaf together and you just wish you would I wish they would have hugged it out you know but they're both slightly too gruff for that yeah this is as (laughs) close figurative hug (laughs) but noticeably you know just offers to close he doesn't offer to help right away Mm -hmm. because he's gonna he's just going out for a walk uh is his (laughs) excuse and Luke is obviously like thinking he's gonna go visit Rory because he says she's not home. Jess is like, who? 
I mean, he's not fooling anyone. <laughs> and Luke tells him, like, she's at Suki's wedding. She's still with Dean and they're doing well. Like, leave it alone. Let it go. Which um, I don't necessarily think that Luke is on, like, team Dean in the same way that Lorelai mm-hmm. is. But I think he's more so, like, this has only brought you, like, trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, try not to get involved in that because, it like, look at what conflict it caused. Um but, you know, Jess doesn't really take that to heart. He has a mission. <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked this scene, how it was shot, because it was shot mm. so you could see both of their faces, They but Jess couldn't see Luke. So you just saw yeah. Jess's reactions to what Luke was saying. And I've said this before, but he's so good at just, like, acting out emotions kind of in a micro way like his face Mm -hmm. barely changes but you can tell the emotions coming off and his reaction to when Luke says that Rory and Dean are still together and it seems to be going well is kind of like a scoff slash smirk I couldn't decide exactly what he was thinking in this like was he thinking well yeah but Luke doesn't know that Rory came to to New York City last week and visited me definitely <laughs> like that has to be part of it yeah or is he thinking or is it more of a scoff like I can't believe that she I still that she still hasn't broken up with him I don't know mm-hmm. it, but it seems like obviously there's a lot going on there definitely and it's under the surface but Mm -hmm. you're right that he's really great with the facial expressions that kind of that signal the deeper emotions you know Mm -hmm. so teen boy why put your emotions in dialogue when you could let them simmer under the surface (laughs) yeah but Rory does something similar too so I shouldn't just assume it's a gender role thing (laughs) just teenagers Uh, in general (laughs) yeah The next scene brings us to Suki's wedding. Uh, It seems like a sort of cocktail hour before the ceremony uh, where everyone has arrived at the inn. They're all outside and everything looks really pretty. And Babette, Miss Patty, Maury, and Lane, and Kirk, and I think that's everyone, are kind of gathered (laughs) around a piano. It's just a jolly good time. (laughs) This was my Stars Hollow moment. Uh, Similar to like what you were saying about the rehearsal dinner, it just feels like cozy. It feels like a community wedding. Like they're all there to support um, Suki and Jackson and they all seem like they've had a lot of cocktails, but apparently they haven't (laughs) yet and they keep talking about like, we have to hide Dean once they've had the cocktails, yeah, which I don't cringy. fully know what that means. <laughs> like they're going to mess with him um, or flirt with him like Miss Patty and Babette. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, at this point, I think it's more so Babette and Miss Patty singing. But the scene closes out with Kirk having like a, a solo. And it just felt like exactly like I... This is exactly how I would think these characters would behave at a wedding. It fit exactly what I would expect. So I thought it was well done. (laughs) Kirk was even trying to do a little bit of flirting by looking women up and down as they passed him. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But I loved especially the duet with Miss Patty and Babette. Like their voices are just so good together because Babette's got kind of the like soprano, very broadway-ish kind of voice and miss patty has like i don't i don't remember what the names for the lower female like registers are 
Yeah, but it's lower than alto, maybe like a contralto or something like that. I don't mm. remember, but she's singing really low. And they're just, I would love to have an album of them singing show tunes. That'd be so <laughs> cool. Nice. But we also get a little bit of Rory and Dean here. I still, every single time I see him, it kind of like slaps me in the face. Like, oh, they're still together. I'd forgotten about yeah. him. I didn't realize he was still around. Sorry, Dean. It's like they both, they seem perfectly fine, you know, uh, which is interesting, yeah. I think. So I don't know, watching it, maybe you think, oh, they're just together and they're fine now. Or is it like, Dean doesn't know she went to visit Jess, mm-hmm. I don't think, right? Yeah, he must So there's not. some like, like lack of communication, to put it lightly. And I mean, yeah. especially considering the scene that comes up, like to call it what it is, is essentially cheating, mm-hmm. right? Like we've given Dean a very hard time throughout the series and we've given Rory kind of a hard time too, but like... Her actions with the New York thing and then with this, it's like, we got just break up with him. So yeah. then you're not implicated by these choices, right? Because like, it's fine if you want to kiss Jess, but just don't have a boyfriend when you do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, it's frustrating, like you said. Yeah. I think I feel more frustrated by that than I do about like Laura, Lorelai and Christopher at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> We yeah. can feel frustrated about both, though, because, yeah. <laughs> very, very frustrating. And uh, Paris calls. Somehow she got Dean's phone number, which I loved. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. She is calling to let Rory know that they got the band, which apparently means that they then have enough numbers that they're probably they're going to win. Her description of the band people does not jive with my uh, experience of band people. <laughs> She is just like, I think she calls them like uh, skinny nerds with a tuba wrapped around them. I'm like, the band people I knew were some of the weirdest people in high school. The most, like they were all, I was in band for one year and then I dropped out because I was not good and I hated practicing. But they, I don't, they just had a a sort of tribalism and like confidence that a lot of other high school groups didn't I think probably because of like the performance they were the closest to the theater kids in terms of mm-hmm. personality and that kind of stuff they were also I think probably the most sexually active group yeah. <laughs> wow uh, but that's that was my experience of band kids mm-hmm. at around the same time so I don't know what Paris was seeing at Chilton maybe they took right took it a bit more seriously I don't know <laughs> Apparently, the band at Chilton is a little different. Yeah. That's good to know. Either way, they sway the vote. I'm curious that they're counting the votes for the student council on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a weird plot point. I don't think that would really be happening, mm-hmm. but it does bring the news about the potential summer in Washington, D.C. that results from the two of them winning. The other thing to note in this scene is the arrival of Emily and Chris. I mean, Emily and Richard show up. They witness like Lorelai and Chris flirting as they walk up because, you know, Chris is continuing to make bedroom eyes at Lorelai. <laughs> They're flirting and like kissing openly. And Emily and Chris and Richard and Lorelai kind of have this interaction. Emily pulls Lorelai away and they kind of walk off together and she's like, why is Chris here? And Lorelai explains that they've been seeing more of him because he's been visiting her daughter. And she's like, you'll probably be seeing a lot more of him from now on. 
because he'll be visiting his daughter and it's very much code for like oh the potential of them dating and Mm -hmm. her and emily are both like grinning ear to ear it's honestly like i think maybe at this point it's hard to know what i expected when i didn't know what was coming but at this point i started to get a sense of dread knowing that Mm -hmm. this is ultimately not what's gonna happen because this is kind it's a fairly sweet moment between them and like emily being genuinely excited for Lorelai and we know they had this like really intense conversation earlier in the season when Emily had kind of been like like it should have been you you deserve to be yeah it should have been Lorelai it was the title of the episode so (laughs) it's like finally like it is Lorelai and Mm -hmm. we know it's not going to be um so it's kind of hard to watch yeah yeah, Lorelai's also really jumping the gun with telling people about this. <laughs> it's kind of like the idea of like not telling people you're pregnant until you get past a certain uh, period of time just to like make sure that nothing happens. I feel like yeah. Lorelai should give this at least maybe 24 hours before she mm-hmm. starts telling people. She can tell Rory, I guess, but also just like, you know, give it give it a bit of time. They're still in that glow, that love cocoon bubble love bubble <laughs> considering how long Lorelai waited to tell Emily that she was engaged yeah <laughs> uh this is like the opposite of that it's like both of those things are bad mm-hmm. like don't wait too long but also wait a bit longer than you did here. yeah <laughs> god I can't believe at the beginning of this season Lorelai was engaged to Max Medina what a time <laughs> Uh, the next scene is Rory and Chris on a walk, and it seems like Lorelai did tell Rory as well, like you had said, uh, because Rory's kind of asking him, like, are your intentions honorable? We've been waiting for this. We take disappointment really hard. And I was curious about Rory's use of we, we here. Like, at first, I thought she was kind of saying we, but meaning herself, like, I've been waiting for this and I will take disappointment hard. But then I was like, I also kind of feel like she's meaning Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Like there's a like a defensiveness to right here. Like she Lorelai has been waiting for this and Lorelai will take disappointment really hard. So I guess she really just meant we <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They were kind of having I liked that they were having a frank conversation about this, which ends with a phone call. And Chris says, um, it's work and Rory's like is it work on a Sunday uh, which doesn't seem likely and this mm-hmm. is the you know it's foreshadowing dun, what dun, is dun. to come <laughs> yeah and the same moment Rory looks off to the side and sees Jess standing alone underneath a tree in a romantic gesture something straight out of mm-hmm. one of those 90s rom-coms <laughs> yeah <laughs> she goes over to him asks why he's there and they're both she's super flustered he says i'm back (laughs) nothing really more and rory just like dives in for a kiss (laughs) Mm. and they they have a little kiss and then she pushes him away and runs off or she says don't tell anybody he says okay i think that's kind of a bit of a red flag but we understand Mm -hmm. why it's because she just cheated on dean (laughs) and (laughs) Then she runs away and says, uh, welcome back or welcome home. I don't remember. But yeah, quite a momentous scene. So quick. So, I don't know, satisfying in a way that finally they have expressed their feelings to each other, but unsatisfying in a way that 
Now we need to see what actually happens because, as Rory said, don't tell anybody. There's still a lot of complication here. Yes. Oh, this scene was my gazebo moment. I remember rewatching like the first time this was on Netflix and I finally got to watch all of the show in one go and I really remember like anticipating this scene and like once it was season two I was like when's it gonna happen I kept like waiting and waiting and so I agree like with you that it feels satisfying it is like there's a big like narrative payoff I feel like and they've just been like flirting and they've had chemistry and of course you're just waiting for like the physical chemistry moment and it's definitely there and it's like a moment of passion it's like so unexpected and unplanned and what I noticed this time around is that um the dialogue right before the kiss is just saying I moved back and Rory says why and he says just wanted to and then she like dives in for the kiss like you're saying like she really like she goes in also like with her arms and like grabs him and then they're kissing and then when he kind of like goes to pull her in more she pulls away and has that like moment of panic about like oh I just did what I did but I just felt like we can think about like why she finally kissed him you know and it could be like he's there it looks very romantic he's handsome but I also feel like part of it is like him saying, like, I moved back because I I wanted to. It's like an acknowledgement of him doing something based on what he wants and what he desires. And she's, like, been trying to hold herself back from that so much. When she did, she went to New York and then she had the catastrophic consequence of missing her mom's graduation. And it's, I feel like her going in for the kiss here is, like, a spontaneous, like, giving into what she wants to do. It's like, well, if he wanted to move back... I mean, it's probably for her, like, let's be real, or at least one big reason. So it's like she just goes in for it and does what she wants to do. And they have a good kiss. It's very, like, passionate. And then she pulls back from that and has the cold wake-up call of, like, I wanted to do that, but, like, oh, my God, what did I do? And she says, oh, my God. And, like, I also felt bad for Jess Mm -hmm. when she says the don't say a word thing. Like, she's made him be, like, the other man, you know? (laughs) And the last thing I will say about that is she like runs away and her arms are flailing (laughs) and she does shout welcome home. That felt very Rory to me (laughs) Um, because like when she originally walked up to him, I thought she was like surprisingly calm. I would have been like, like I would have been reeling, you know, from seeing like my crush who I thought was in New York is suddenly just inexplicably at Suki's wedding. Mm -hmm. And she, like, just walks up, like, what are you doing here? But I felt, like, the run away with her arms flailing was far more (laughs) accurate to, like, probably her emotional state, you know. And it's, like, the kind of charming awkwardness of Rory to have said, like, don't say a word and then be, like, welcome home. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, she's got multitudes. (laughs) There is such a parallel between how she showed up at Washington Square Park Mm -hmm. without any sort of prompting and just surprised him and how he's done the exact same thing now but yeah. there is so much, such a different implication I think with him like being in a place where there are uh people who could potentially see it and who know her in New right. York City it was more like an anonymous kind of if everything had gone well there would have been no consequences this mm-hmm. there could be huge consequences but somehow it seems 
nobody saw so that's kind of interesting (laughs) but good for them i guess (laughs) yeah i think the other stake of this is that he moved home so she knows he's gonna be there she knows maybe well maybe she is like thinking about this as she's running away but like (laughs) she'll have to address this like finally you know she the the new york city was like a removed from life and it's almost surprising that they didn't kiss there because then it's like she could have just run home to Stars Hollow and been like, well, that was something that New York me mm-hmm. did, you know. <laughs> but this is in Stars Hollow, so she will have to address it. And um, it's very much like unresolved here. That's been my my word of the day. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see what happens in season three. <laughs> this uh, The scene is juxtaposed with the Lorelai and Chris encounter as well. Uh, I like the. I really like the the writing of like the culmination of the Jess and Rory, immediately followed by this like intense scene with Lorelai and Chris. Yeah, like you think everything is going great for Lorelai and Chris, of course, but then Chris finds Lorelai. The wedding's about to start, so there's not much time. But uh, Lorelai tries to get him to go and find a seat. Chris's response is, "I'm leaving." Not a great way to start this conversation. Not at all. <laughs> and Lorelai's like, what do you mean? What uh, are you, what's happening? And he says, um, Sherry just called. So Lorelai's first thought is, okay, so you're going home to talk to her and break up finally. I think she at this point knows that that's not actually what's happening, but she's still saying it out of hopefulness, perhaps. He says, no. She immediately realizes that he's going back on everything they said. I think she immediately snaps into like, oh, this is still the Chris from last year who proposed to me in in my kitchen so that I could help him get his life together. Mm -hmm. And she regrets everything. And she's just like, okay, uh, drive safe. Cold. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) She is trying to be mature here because she's realizing she knows that Chris is still Rory's dad. So they're still going to have to interact so there's like there's only so much she can say right now and still salvage the relationship as much as it needs to be but chris then tells her what's really happened cherry has called and she's just found out that she is pregnant uh wow the tables have turned (laughs) and um lorelei has a very fat phobic response saying women yeah. all over the world will line up to see that tiny woman fat and I wanted to slap her and say is this really the moment for that kind of talk <laughs> yeah my god uh, um but Chris is really he's kind of torn about it or he acts like he's torn about it I don't know really because he he wants to be with Lorelai he clearly doesn't want to have a relationship with Sherry uh regardless of what happens he doesn't seem to be into her at all at the moment But he also Mm -hmm. is saying like he missed everything with Rory and he wants to be there for this kid, which I think is admirable. Um, I think that's the right move for him. Of course, it's heartbreaking for Lorelai and all of this could have been potentially avoided if they had talked about things before hooking up, but things don't work like that on TV. So (laughs) what did you think about all this? I thought, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's just how I, how this scene lands, Mm -hmm. you know? It's really um, just like the the happy ending that is prevented 
in the surprise twist um that is like it seems like an iconic um or just like a, a narrative choice that is familiar to Gilmore Girls which I didn't always think but it's like yeah really bad things have happened to Rory so far when she gives into her passions and it seems like that's happening to Lorelai here um it's not the typical like if you have sex something bad happens <laughs> well it is kind of it's just that it's not Lorelai that ends up pregnant it was someone mm-hmm. else someone symbolically is still pregnant you know as the consequences of Lorelai's actions for giving into <laughs> just wanting to have like a good horny night with <laughs> Chris so it's like puritanical sex politics seem to continue mm-hmm. on the show um and I just have doubts about like this whole Chris staying with Sherry for his sense of like duty and his sense of like wronging the past um I think clearly we already know like we're gonna see how that will go for him like it doesn't doing things out of a sense of obligation doesn't seem to go that well for characters either on the show mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to know like what is the right <laughs> moral choice here to make but it definitely it's a sense of like history repeating itself in a way that um we'll see happens again later <laughs> yeah. on like in the revival like the interest in like history repeating itself is also like a narrative theme mm-hmm. of the show um but i just i just felt really bad for lorelei at the end of the day you know like she is kind of put in an uncomfortable position where she wants to like resent chris for leading her on and dumping her but she also kind of understands his choice which is the worst in a breakup Mm -hmm. you know you just want to be able to like blame the other person entirely but it's kind of like how can she blame him for doing the thing that maybe she would have wanted him to do for Mm -hmm. her well she didn't really though she kind of just wanted to be independent so maybe she's like he should just say f this and like co-parent but still be with her or something like that i don't know it's just a very complicated situation and it really just flips everything on its head that we'd been like leading up to thinking that they'd finally be together and that is not the case (laughs) yeah things with christopher always happen like within it he's in and out (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and i think like with the show and also in lorelei's life and that's even the case later on when they end up together for a little while <laughs> a few seasons yeah, from those now are dark times. yeah it's still <laughs> still in and out and there's such a extreme contrast between that and luke even right now when luke and lorelei are kind of on the outs like they're having an argument he's still there he's still consistent mm-hmm. and he always he always will be there so i think that's st- that's such a stark contrast for both of them that's a good point the final scene is I can't get started with you beginning to play again. So it's a full circle moment of that song kind of speaking to the <laughs> narrative of the episode. Uh, Lorelai and Rory are both like getting ready to go down the aisle. Uh, they both have excellent like turmoil in their mm-hmm. faces. I thought Lauren Graham had like I think the best face because uh, Rory doesn't know anything that's happened uh, but she like walks up to Lorelai and Lorelai's expression is just really intense mm-hmm. like tumultuous emotion portrayed there and Rory also has her own kind of just like sh- like gay like she's like it's like she's like struck by like yeah. she's just so like in awe of what happened like 
Yeah, she's <laughs> flabbergasted. <laughs> and I just really like the, like the shot of both of them just standing side by side. And I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this yet, but like gorgeous bridesmaids mm-hmm. dresses yeah. as well. Like a really nice blue. They match their they eyes. They both have a slightly, yeah, they both have a slightly different cut. Like Rory's is shorter, Lorelai's is longer, a bit more tight fitting. Uh, they got their bouquets. And it's just like, I just love the whole like, here are these two women like suddenly at like at this crossroads in their lives and they didn't expect it. This is supposed to be like a happy wedding and like they're both just like at going through something side by side. They both don't know it yet. They haven't been able to talk about it yet, but it's like, wow, it's it's really like poignant. Yeah. Rory also announces, I'm going to Washington. Laura Lice responses, oh, okay. <laughs> Which I think also is very indicative of how she's feeling when Lorelai can Mm -hmm. only say two words in response to something. I just noticed my notes I wrote. They look like they've been hit by emotional bricks. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I, after this, I went and I was trying to remember exactly how season one ended. I kind of wanted to contrast the two. And we ended season one. That was when Max had just proposed to Lorelai. Uh, mm-hmm. Rory had just told Dean that he that she loved him and they were back together. The last scene is them running across the town square squealing and I going, know like, I remember first, that was first. my gazebo moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just like the it's so different between that and mm-hmm. this. So much has happened and also I don't know there this is such a cliffhanger that season one wasn't necessarily like it kind Mm -hmm. of was but it could have also potentially been a good conclusion this is like wow there we're ending on a terrible note this things (laughs) can't get worse for these characters Mm -hmm. um what's gonna happen next so I just thought that like the the two finales looking at them both was just they both have their romantic arcs for each character and uh very different ends i think it speaks to like the confidence of the show to end on this note Mm -hmm. and feel like we will have a season three and we will pick up on this you know Mm -hmm. in a strange way this feels more in line with the tone of the rest of the show like than the first season finale necessarily did i mean it was but this one has like the I don't know it just feels more like Gilmore Girls at this point than some parts of season one did Mm. and I think the end the finale was part of that like they can't end happy that's just not how the show works (laughs) I wanted to share my Friday night dinner critique at the end uh because of something we don't see in the episode which is Suki's actual wedding Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and I, I think I could be like, I think I could definitely be persuaded to accept the reasons why they didn't. Like, it's kind of unexpected to not end on a wedding, like you're building to it. And then to just have it cut off on kind of like the the Rorelai, <laughs> Rorelai, that's a new one for me. The Lorelai and Rory moment. I like that. It's very like complicated like I said, unexpected. It kind of subverts a narrative structure of like you end on a happy ending, which is like very often a wedding. Um, But in terms of like the stories they've been tracking about Sookie and Jackson, 
I felt like they got kind of the short end of mm-hmm. the stick. And as much as I think we can celebrate Suki's storyline and her romance, um, I think that is also a reason that she deserves to have the wedding if that's what her main storyline has been about this season. So I just I feel like it would have made narrative sense for them to have that wedding. It's also just like a very symbolic thing. So I just felt like I felt like that was a missed opportunity. uh, And I would have liked to see the end of that storyline. That said, I mean, I did really like the ending, too. I don't know how they would have written it differently. I don't know how you would have had such a good like cliffhanger because you can't just have them have this moment of like, well, shit. And then. have the entire wedding and have it yeah. be a really happy celebratory thing. So I think what I I think I I understand it. I think it worked ultimately, but in an ideal world, I think it would have just been more fair to give Suki and Jackson a wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I definitely can't. I think if they were going to do that, they would have to have like the big events happen at the reception and oh, then true. like the cliffhanger be Lorelai and Rory go home and like say goodnight to each other without talking about anything and both go off to their rooms with the, the looks on their faces but or they both like there's like a big reception going on where you see a bunch of people like happy in the background and then maybe they both like come out to like the porch and sit on the steps and look super mm-hmm. dejected and we're like let's go home or something like that yeah <laughs> you're right that could have been what the that could have been an alternative to get the best of both worlds (laughs) but overall like it felt like tight writing yeah and we have now finished season two this was a very long episode but thanks for hanging in there with us there's plenty to say Mm -hmm. I feel like we could keep talking about it also but we will save our larger reflections for our next episode on our you know our like reflective season recap where we look back on all of the episodes with super clear memory because we've got we've got really great memories (laughs) so on that note uh don't forget to rate and review us at apple podcasts and spotify or wherever you're listening and follow us on tiktok and instagram at talking fast podcast and email us at talking fast podcast at gmail.com that was too many ats um (laughs) and yeah we'll be back next week look forward to everything that's coming in the next couple of months and yeah i guess that's you know that's it we don't have a better uh farewell than rory and lorelei do (laughs) yeah after all this time uh let us know if you have good sign-off ideas (laughs) yeah Uh, Uh, until next time i guess yeah talk to you then (laughs)